You're listening to episode 133 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is travelogue. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I have a background in theology and a love for travel. Having visited nine different countries and served in five congregations, I wanted to create an environment that discusses and encourages the overlap of my two favorite things, the Lord and travel. And if you have a passion for these things, or wanting to learn how God is such an integral part of our daily adventures, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is Travelogue, Numbers, Chapter 33. According to Oxford Languages, the definition of a travelogue is a movie, book, or illustrated lecture about the places visited and experiences encountered by a traveler. That definition and that word is not one that I honestly encounter frequently. I encounter travel log as in two different words, travel space log, or I encounter travel blogs or travel vlogs, but the word travel log, one word, I don't encounter as frequently. But when researching Numbers chapter 33, which is what we're going to be diving into today, I found in some of the commentaries and discussions that this is truly a travel log, a book, a documentation of places that the Israelites visited. So if you've been following along over the past several weeks, we've been going through scripture and looking at times when the ESV translation uses the word journey. And it happens in many contexts, sometimes travel-related, sometimes faith and life and growth-related, but we've been looking at times when scripture mentions the word journey. And we've watched as the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt, and they've slowly made it through different things, including the exit from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, and they were last wandering in the wilderness for about two years so far because they had made it to the promised land and were like, whoop, nope, never mind, let's try this again in 40 years. Well, now we're fast-forwarding from two years into their journey to 40 years, and they are right outside of the Promised Land, and Moses is not allowed to go in because he didn't listen to the Lord in one of the specific instances, and the Lord said, you can go up on the mountain and, and see it, but you can't go in. So as he's wrapping up his time with them, knowing that his days are numbered, The Lord is instructing him to still do some things, and one of them is to write a travelogue, to write a documentation of all the places they stopped and stayed along the way. I know some of you really love the travel itineraries, and you have them pre-planned, and you know exactly where you're going, but... This is specifically an itinerary of what did happen. Not what was planned, but what did happen. So Moses recalls to the people, do you remember when we left the city of Ramses? And then he goes on and we stayed here and we stayed here. And it's a really, really long list. And I encourage you to read it. 
And if you try to map it out, some of the cities, we don't actually know where they were. Archaeologists haven't found them. The Lord wiped them off the map. Whatever happened, the cities, we don't know exactly, but we can kind of estimate approximately where they went. And so I went ahead and I googled a map for Numbers chapter 33 to see what the route is. And there's some cities marked with little question marks next to them. And the route is definitely windy and not perfectly straight. But this got me thinking, how far by the time they had actually visited all these things on their travelogue, how far did they actually travel? So I started to do some math. From Ramses, Egypt, to the Moab Mountains in the Jordan. If you would head out today and start driving it, it would take you approximately 11 hours and 47 minutes if you were driving. And this involves a ferry, so you have to drive your boat onto the ferry and then keep going. And it equates to about 530 miles or 854 kilometers to get from point A to point B. Now, we know the Israelites didn't have that option. They were wandering in the wilderness and walking there. And so walking today with the modern convenience of roads and everything um, from Ramses, Egypt to Moab Mountains in the Jordan would take you approximately 147 hours to walk 452 miles or 729 kilometers. And that, again, includes a ferry. The, the route is just slightly different um, based on, I guess, where you could walk versus drive. So 147 hours of walking, that sounds like a lot. And so I did, did some math. If you walked eight hours a day, you would get there on the 19th day. So 19 days of walking, you would get there. But we know that the Israelites were traveling with millions of people. There was a lot of stuff to haul. They had a lot of little kids. So let's shorten it down. You know, we got to stop for lunch and everything. Maybe we only walk five hours a day. That still sounds like a lot, but we get there in 29 days. But the Israelites were wandering for 40 years in the desert. So what I did was I took the route that we are only estimating, you know, that they probably took based on this long list of cities they visited. And it had one of those little, like, measuring tools at the bottom to say, like, this far equals this many miles. And I did my best to kind of outline it so I know with all the wiggles and the turns and the roads that I didn't get it perfectly. But I estimated it to be about 825 miles, give or take, likely add a lot, a little more to that. But from Ramses, this is Ramses to Gilgal, which is pretty close to the Moab area. Um, depends where they kind of just towards the end of their trip kind of hang out in a group of cities and area region. So Gilgal was probably the closest point on this map that they put together. So they estimated it to be about 800 and I estimated it to be about 825 miles or approximately 1,330 kilometers. So then my next question logically was, 
what did that mean that they actually had to travel in a day? And I know there were several times over 40 years that they didn't move at all. They would, you know, the pillar of cloud or fire would rest over the tent for days, weeks, even sometimes a year at a time, and then they'd move a little bit further. Which, again, go back, listen to previous episodes, that required a lot of trust. So I did some math, and 40 years equals 14,600 days. Which means that they had to go approximately 0.056 miles per day, or 0.09 kilometers per day, to get from point A to point B over the course of 40 years. Again, we know that they didn't move every day, but if they did, that's all the further they had to move. Which I, of course, wanted to round and find out exactly what that meant. And that equates to 98 yards, which an American football field is 100 yards. So they had to move from one football field to the next each day for 40 years until they got to the promised land. Or if for you, football is not American football, it's more soccer I had to look up how big a soccer field was, and a, a soccer field is 100 yards to 130 yards. So the, thing, so the same thing applies. Approximately, they traveled one soccer football field per day. Now, why am I going into all of these numbers and all of these stats? I think it's because when I look at this story of their itinerary, where they traveled, where they journeyed, I think it's one of the things that we typically breeze over because it's so much like, I don't know, it's it's part of the history of the Israelites that we personally don't relate to as well. It's cities that we can't find on a map. It's places that we didn't go to. Great, they visited all these places. They made a travel log. Woohoo. But for these people, as Moses read off to them that they left from Ramses and camped at Succoth and then at Etham and then at Migdol and other places in between that I can't pronounce. And it keeps going on. I can almost guarantee you that those cities and those places bring to mind something for each of the Israelites. That was where God did that one thing. Maybe it was a little scary. That was where uh, we encountered the snakes and um, the poisonous vipers. And many of my family and friends died. But if we looked up at the golden snake on a cross. Sounds like a crazy story. I recommend you read it. Um, they would live because it required them to have faith in God and not get so wrapped up in their circumstances. Or maybe it was the terrifying story we, were, we went over in the last two weeks where they were complaining for meat, and when they were complaining, those that didn't trust the Lord ended up dying as they consumed that meat. Or maybe it was when they were so thirsty and the Lord gave them water. There was just so many miracles that happened throughout and so many things to remind them that God walked with them literally every single step of the way and he never left them. 
as Moses prayed, as they set out each day, and as they set down the ark at the end of each journey, that the Lord be with them and guard them, and that he come back and he protect them. God continued to show up time and time again. And so they're sitting here recalling their travel log, their travel itinerary, but it's more than just these were the stops along the way. It was more about what God did in the midst of them. To remember as they go into the promised land that God's not going to forsake them once they settle down and have more security and comfortability and, you know, those things. Which is so much of the reason why I believe that travel is so important because we are settled down. We are so comfortable in our routines and everything. But when we're traveling, we have the opportunity to travel log as well. We have the opportunity to document where we went and how God showed up. It's why I started hosting retreats so that I can encourage and connect Christians around the world as we create travel testimonies and be witnesses and lights unto others. It's the reason that I created travel journals that include prayers and places to document your story and ultimately to create a travel testimony. It's why I created retreat kits for ministry leaders and groups to lead and do devotions and help people not only build community, but to see God in the midst and to, again, go home with a travel testimony. And it is the reason that I created CTN, Christian Travelers Network, an opportunity to encourage people to step outside of their comfort zone, encourage people to share how God is active today in a world that has forgotten how to recognize him. We might read Numbers chapter 33 and look at their travel itinerary and go, none of this means anything to me. I challenge you to reflect on that, but I also challenge you to go, okay, well, what in your own travel itinerary doesn't make sense to others? How can you use it to shine your light, to share the gospel, to document, vlog it, blog it, whatever it, of how God is evident in your journeys? The chapter concludes with a challenge for the Israelites and a reminder that When they move into the promised land, that they need to drive out the inhabitants, that they need to drive out the locals and their pagan gods and their idols and get them out because otherwise they'll influence the people. When I sat here and thought about this and how this relates to our own travel itineraries, when we settle down, when we get comfortable, when we fall into a routine, and this is the people that we surround ourselves with, they have influence on us. It's a little harder when we're traveling for them to always have influence on us because we don't know them. We don't have that deep relationship with them. But but when they're your next door neighbors, when they're the people you go to work with, they have influence over you, good, bad, or otherwise. And We're called to witness to them, and Jesus demonstrated how to love on them. But here we see that God also doesn't want us to embrace their ways. Yes, you can have a heartfelt relationship with them and be honest with them and and 
laugh with them and cry with them. But the things that they worship, money, wealth, power, social media, crystals, whatever, you don't have to worship it too. You don't have to embrace their ways. We might not be called to drive out the inhabitants like the Israelites are, but I think it's significant why in this chapter there's a travel log followed by this call to drive out the inhabitants. Because God's saying, I was with you every step of the way. Don't rely on them. Don't think that they're who you rely on now. Don't look outward. Look at me. Look at God. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for this travel log, this documentation of where the Israelites wandered for 40 years. While we might not fully understand just how impactful you were every step of their journey, Lord, we thank you so much for being with them and for being with us. Lord, as we journey through this life, Help us to document where we see you. Reveal yourself unto us and help us to step out of our comfortable and into the uncomfortable and the challenging and the growing that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Christian travelers, I have one closing thought and question, but before I do, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find other faith and travel resources, including our kit, upcoming retreats, other podcasts, and our travel journal. A great opportunity for you to log how you see God in your journals with prompts, questions, tools, and prayers to help make your journey a memorable one, not only for you, but for those that you come in contact with. And if you're interested in getting podcasts directly into your inbox or getting some of our travel, upcoming travel tools and ideas, I encourage you to subscribe to our email list at christiantravelers.net. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform and support us by sharing this podcast with a friend. But My closing thought and question is this. What does a travel log look like for you? Is it just something in a journal? Is it posts that you put on social media? Is it a video that you make recounting your journey? Or is it sitting down with a friend over a cup of coffee when you get back home? Travel is a gift from the Lord. It's a blessing in our faith life and in our in our spiritual growth. I just really want to challenge you to intentionally plan, intentionally document how God is showing up in your life and come up with a way that it is best for you to proclaim his excellencies in our world today. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.